All right. Well, I hit record. So this is episode, and I never say the number because sometimes my numbers get out of sequence. So look at your screen. You'll see what episode this is. This episode today is uh, a special one for me because the, the person we have joining us today is someone that I've talked to off and on a little bit about coming on this podcast in the past. And um, it, it, it finally is happening today that we are recording a, an episode together. Uh, this this guy is a person I went to high school with and was good friends with throughout throughout that time. And we recently connected at a unofficial high school reunion that um, that occurred, I guess, what, three weeks, about three weeks ago now. And uh, so, yes, I want to welcome my good friend Brian to the podcast. Hey, Clark. Thank you very much for having me on today. This is really cool. I'm, I'm so glad that uh, you're able to join we when we met at the high school reunion, we we had a chance to talk after and brought this whole topic up about the podcast. And you said you'd be interested, so uh, I think it's awesome that we're getting a chance to do this. Yeah, very much so. I've been looking forward to it since you brought it up. Uh, yeah, I've always enjoyed doing this kind of thing. Uh, back in university, used to do radio. Used to do radio up in Moosonee. I haven't been on a microphone in a long time, so it's nice to get back to get a chance to do something like this. Yes, absolutely. And I, I forgot about that, that you had done some radio stuff. You've also in our, in our you've done a lot of theater as well. You did theater in high school. Uh, I think we did. We did at least one show together. It was the the, the one about the, the priest. Yeah, in, the, uh, I want to say the fifth element, but that's not what it was. It was the, no. the fifth something about the, yeah, the, the Archbishop uh, Romero from El Salvador. I remember that. The, Benefits of a Catholic high school that you got to do uh, Catholic plays. Uh, yeah, it, uh, this is where I said earlier before we recorded, I'd love to have a, a producer who would could be typing in the name of that and just shoot us it. But the Arch, yeah, Archbishop Romero it was a play, and you know, one of the things you mentioned to me when we chatted after the reunion was there you've never really had a chance. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. You haven't had a lot of opportunities to do creative things, I guess, since you as a police officer, which we haven't mentioned, you're a police officer for what, 20? Uh, 20, 26 years now. 26. 26. Yeah. And, and that tapping into the creative is something that uh, you, you had to have a desire for. Have you had a chance to do any kind of creative stuff since, uh, since you became a police officer? Well, certainly I've, uh, I did some uh, uh, independent published novels that I, I had, uh, had published and then, uh, Locally, the local theater group, they wanted to do some murder mysteries and they asked me to pen some murder mysteries for their charity uh, money money drive to uh, they did a dinner murder mystery evening. So I, I wrote three or four of those. I also kind of incorporated myself in usually as the host to kind of guide through. And then the the actors with the, the local theater group would go out and sit at the tables and give out the clues and. And by the end of the night, each table would guess who the murderer was and prizes would be given out. And typically I would be either a police officer and get kind of typecast in that way, but uh, right. either I'd be a police officer or I think I was a news reporter one time and, and you'd end up arresting the, 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 the murderer and drag them out. And they were, they were very successful. They stopped doing them there. Like everything in, in our society, I think COVID took a, Mm. took a stop on a lot of activities, but, uh, I got to do that. So that was very nice to, to engage in that kind of creativity. Cause I do like writing and, and a little bit of theater side to it as well. So it was, 
it was nice because as you say in my line of work i uh i don't get to be too creative uh you i get to pen a lot of reports but don't get to to work outside and, and fabricate or or embellish so it's it's kind of nice we hope we yeah, yes. guess the embellish yes. is kind of a bad thing in police absolutely work. absolutely <laughs> um, so i try to keep that to a minimum uh so but yeah no uh that, that was nice and yeah, it's nice to get into that kind of stuff. And I guess much like yourself, I guess in insurance brokering, not a lot of creative uh, opportunities. So you find them outside. Yeah, it's true. And and uh, being in insurance, probably roughly around the same amount of time. I think I, it's 26 plus years, maybe 27. And I've always wanted to, um, I always, at least, be, well, before I got married er, and before, mostly actually before we had kids, I was doing community theater um, primarily community theater, I guess, was my my outlet for the creative side. But then once kids come along, a lot of that stuff, like some of the shows I did, it's, it's a couple months of rehearsing two, three nights a week sometimes. And then when the shows are up, it's, it's like four, five out of seven days, sometimes two shows on a Sunday for like a matinee. And um, it, it, it can be a lot. But uh, yeah, that's that's how I've found my creative side is, is through mostly community theater. And then this podcast started up in 2019. We were just talking about how May 2019 was the f- when we've released the first episode. And hard to believe it's almost exactly three years later. Yeah. And it is interesting how much kids uh, can, as an, as, a, as an involved father, how much kids do uh, affect any level of creative time. I always said to my wife, I kind of had to stop writing because it's very difficult to focus on something uh, put your your attention and, and uh, I guess creativity, for lack of a better term, into focus when there's a constant interruption in your house, pretty much. And from waking till bedtime, there's always kind of a noise or an activity or a need that you have to attend to. And now you're you're so you're in a, a <clears throat> I don't know if I'm allowed to say where you're exactly broadcasting from, but it's northern. It's Ontario, Bancroft, uh, Ontario. Okay, Bancroft, which is uh, what's pop- the population there? The actual town about thirty five hundred. Thirty five hundred. Yeah, okay. and probably the surrounding communities, uh, maybe up to ten thousand. Uh, that'd probably be a little bit uh, generous, but all the smaller little communities and villages around, and it's a fair sized area that uh, that I live in, like geographically. So the reason I was mentioning that was because you were talking about just getting away for. Like distraction free is not usually something that's possible without with kids. So mm-hmm. I've always had this dream of building this. Uh, Bill Gates has something he call he ca- calls Think Weeks, mm-hmm. where he will just disappear to some cabin in some remote area. He's got a the only thing he's got is a, a refrigerator with Diet Cokes in it. I think that's like his staple drink for when he goes on these things and i guess some obviously some supplies to survive for a week but it's pretty minimalist like it's a desk i don't think he has any electronics it's a desk with a notepad a pen and paper and um he has these think weeks and i've i thought about you when you mentioned because i know you're in kind of a remote area but you don't have this cabin in the back of your property that you could just disappear into and get all that creative stuff out no unfortunately not uh I'm sure my wife would have problems if I kept disappearing out to it all the time as well. Anyways, so <laughs> well, I've been trying to convince my wife to build a, a studio in our backyard, and um, 
it's not that far, so you'd, you'd be able to find me pretty easily, but we've never really landed on a decision. Mm -hmm. um, I think it kind of went south when I suggested we, we add uh, running water, a toilet, and turn into uh, an Airbnb. Interesting. Or or should make you move out there permanently, one way or the other, depending on... Hey, she might not have thought of that part, but the Airbnb thing she didn't like. She said, I don't want these random people just waltzing through our backyard. And said, well, why not? We could... Uh, you, when we go away, we just... A couple nights, we, we have it as an Airbnb. Yeah, not a bad idea. We, we had a few things we were bouncing around over the last few weeks around topics and... I think we've chosen to talk about one central topic and then a few just rapid fire type type things. So um, the, the, the topic we were discussing was, and I've thought about this off and on for, for years, is TV shows or movies that beg for a remake uh, or conversely should never be remade, that it, it, if that's something people will often say about certain things that should never be remade. It's just, you just can't make it better or improve on it or just, or don't go down that road again or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to ask you, because I know that um, movies is a big thing. You like movies, even yeah. TV shows. There were certain TV shows. I remember as a kid, MASH jumps out for me. I know that was a big, big show for you. And yours was Little House on the Prairie. That was your family's favorite show to watch i remember that we had we had discussions on that we did i think we and i'm a little embarrassed about you know little house in the prairie it's kind of just sounds a little so so um we did it i think we did a swap night once yeah. where i watched a mash episode and you watched, and I watched uh, little house, house in the, the prairie. prairie and i think we both concluded let's stick to our shows <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't without its merits a uh, little house on the prairie it just wasn't one that uh like I say, MASH was my father. My father loved MASH. So that was always, oh. and that's kind of how I kind of uh, gravitated towards it. Uh, well, I did. And I, I, and quite often when, when there's a show out there that people really, really enjoy, especially if it's friends of mine, I, I do get intrigued because I think if I'm friends with this person and they have this show they really like, I feel like that's a show that there's a good chance I will also like mm -hmm. and with the case of mash i probably didn't give it enough of a, a chance but what is it primarily about mash just well, we might get into this a little bit in this topic but i just want to ask you what was about mash that you really liked the uh the irreverent sense of humor and the quick-wittedness uh of especially in the earlier episodes when the when it first got but towards the end it got a bit more uh dramatic and ponderous on the topics in the in the episodes i think it ran for something like 11 seasons it was on for a long time but the the first half dozen or so seasons were just had a really rapid fire sense of humor uh quick-witted comebacks uh really enjoyed that found a great humor in that the fact that it was set it was filmed i guess in the 70s and 80s but it was set in the 50s so it being a period piece i found that it uh in, in a way kind of stayed timeless uh, hmm. that, uh, unlike trying to watch three's company now, or, or the Cosby show, they're so locked into their time period that they become dated almost immediately. Whereas I found mash even kind of as high school, cause it was 11 seasons of reruns. Pretty much. I was more, I was more, uh, uh exposed to, uh, it, it stayed timeless cause it was set in the fifties. So, yeah. and then, yeah. So huh. it, the humor itself, like I said, was, was 
very witty, very, very rapid fire, very quick. And uh, it's just kind of a timeless quality and, and a sense of drama to it, which I think we see at more modern in the, in the 21st century now with sitcoms. Very few laugh track, ha-ha sitcoms. Most comedies on your Netflix or your, your Prime or Crave HBO, they're sitcom-esque, but there's also a lot of pathos and drama to them. And again, MASH had that because it was set in a war. So it had a bit of a black comedy quality to it. Right, right. Huh. And a favorite character, was there one? Oh, Hawkeye Pierce, uh, Alan Alda's character. I, mm. uh, I again, just love that sense of humor. I like, I love, uh, one of my f- things I really like about Alan Alda is just his voice. Mm-hmm. He's just got a great voice. And Mike and I, who's actually been on this show, we've talked about actors who just have great voices mm-hmm. and and most of them do i guess that's part of why they they're great actors is the voice you know like a harrison ford for example the the voice is such a he's such got such a great voice yeah i mean you got this is always the classics the morgan freeman uh, james earl jones patrick stewart uh orson wells if you want to go back a little bit farther these phenomenal mm. deep bass voices that are that are soothing and and like I guess they have a bit of gravitas to them. You're like you're, you're, you're engaged by it immediately. Yeah. Well, let's get into this topic. So, I, I mean, I mentioned it to you a little while ago and just wondered, do, do you have a TV show or movie out there? Let's, let's maybe, I don't know how much thought you've given it, but is for, is there a T I'll say just, I'll keep it open ended. a TV show or movie that comes to mind that you just, just are dying to see remade well yeah, you'd, you'd mentioned that topic and i'd thought about it a bit because uh, right now you see we're you see a uh, over reliance uh especially by i'm gonna put the the, ta- the tag on disney uh disney has been remaking a lot of their animated as live actions and uh now my kids are just kind of getting out of that stage where it's where I, I don't have to go see them quite so much but they've they've redone some animated movies that i remember watching with my kids uh over the years that were i would have said were perfect, perfect films. Disney did very well, especially through the uh, the 80s and into the 90s. They were putting out some phenomenal animated movies, and now they remake those. And the problem is I'm kind of like, why are you remaking it live action, Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast or Jungle Book? Uh, and I, I'm a, a little bit more hesitant to enjoy them because I think that they were done perfectly in animated form. Uh but there's a couple of ones that weren't that successful. Uh, there's one that my kids liked called Treasure Planet. I don't know if you've seen that one. No. Basically, it's a science fiction version of Treasure Island. And it had a uh, very, very interesting uh, um, dis- design aesthetic. Essentially, the, it made no sense in a logical level. But basically, the spaceships were like uh, old 17th and 18th century uh, sailing ships. And they looked like that, and they were traveling through space. And it was a very, very interesting design aesthetic. And I thought, now that in live action, that movie was not successful in the theaters. Didn't make a lot of money. Uh, Sorry, as a live action, as a, as a as an as an animated movie. It was from two, okay. it was from two thousand and two, when it was one of uh, Disney's kind of failures. And uh, but the design aesthetic on it would have been uh, fantastic as a live action. Hmm. quite a science fiction guy. I like science fiction stuff. Uh, so that was just kind of my thoughts on that. But if I had one that I just don't understand why they have not remade it yet is the, uh, 1970, 76 movie Logan's run. I don't know if you remember that one. 
I know I've heard of it, but I don't, I've not seen it. It's very, it's pre star Wars. So the science, the kind of star Wars in 1977 through 79 special effects kind of started taking leaps forward. So the special effects are a little hurting, uh, uh, lackluster. And this is a movie you think could be a good be remade. remade. It would be excellent mm. if it was remade. It, uh, it's essentially just, a, it's a futuristic society, uh, where it's basically a utopian society, but when you reach the age of 30, you're automatically terminated. And mm. about, and then the plot is about people trying to escape from that. And I'm, I was surprised that through the, uh, like about, uh, 10 to 15 years ago, it's really started with the young adult, uh, uh, popular science fiction movies. And I was shocked that Logan's run was never remade. It had a lot of really neat concepts, a lot of, uh, it's based on a book, uh, from the late sixties. And it was a really neat concept about, uh, the, the perception of youth. I don't, and I think it's only kind of gotten more relevant now that, uh, the idea that, of, of that youth is perfection and anything older is disposable. And I think that, yeah, no, that's one I'm shocked that they haven't remade by this point. Well, there was a 2023 article I just pulled up as you're talking here, uh, where somebody actually talked about this. How should a remake of Logan's Run be done? And one of the things they say is the original authors have since passed away and that there's no way to talk to them or consult them on, I guess, if we were to do this, how would we do it? Um, but I, I mean, there's got to be other movies or, or things like that out there where they didn't have the original writers. I mean, Shakespeare isn't around to ask him about, you know, not that you're writing Shakespeare plays, but I mean, yeah. right. They made movies with Shakespeare plays. So, um, and, and if I recall properly, the novel was that you got terminated at age 20, 21 or 25. It was even younger than that, that idea in the movie that, that it was 30, but it was basically, you enjoyed your youth and then you were, then you were terminated. Well, you know, what's interesting though, is cause there's, there are movies like, like hunger games, for example, is similar to that type of mm-hmm theme right and you had a bunch so of maybe you had, you had yeah. hunger games and maze runner and divergent and th- there was a real glut of them there for a period yeah so why not go with a logan's a logan's run mm-hmm. what about uh well i'll share mine i guess mine was uh i remember when i went and this this is actually i'd like to see a remake of the remake which uh when i went to see this movie Ideally, I should have watched this again before talking about it now. So I'm basing it off the memory of when it came out, which was 20 plus years ago now, I think. And it was the remake of War of the Worlds, where I remember being there thinking, this is, this isn't, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't think it was very well done. And is this the Tom Cruise version that you're talking about? Yeah. 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 Has there been one? There hasn't been one since then. It's been two television series. There okay. was one set in the 1800s, uh, based on when HG Wells had originally set it at the end of the 1800s, early 1900s. And then okay. there was one, uh, there was another one. It was kind of a modern take. It had almost not, I think they took the name. I'm going to guess that the name war of the worlds is probably public domain at this point. And they just kind of tapped it onto this, uh, this, uh, uh television series. I remember being in the theater and, and of course the original war of the worlds is, is, is very old and it's it's dated it's black and white and it's probably got some cheesy factors all throughout it but there was just something to me that i think that that movie actually would have made a great remake just to update it and make it um take that concept and make it um just modernize it and make it use have all the access to the special effects but i do remember 
coming home after seeing it, being quite under underwhelmed about it. And I think I mentioned it to my dad about my experience, because he's the one who got me on the original War of the Worlds. We went through one of these. Once VCRs came out, we uh, we got into like him wanting to share with me some of the things he grew up watching and that had influence. And I remember saying, this movie, uh, I just didn't, didn't really think it did it, this remake. And he said, well, who knows? Maybe they'll make another one. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, huh, didn't really think about someone making a remake of a remake. I don't know if any movies come to mind where they have done that. Nothing. Well, there's a, about a jillion Scrooges or, or Christmas carols. There's uh, mm. the famous uh, uh, Ten Commandments. Uh, it was redone a couple of times. Ben-Hur has been done a few times. A lot of those are the, the quote-unquote classic versions from your, your 50s and 60s are typically remakes of the silent version originally. Yeah. Again, probably begging for a remake in that sense because while it was silent, yes, uh, or or so like the access to the technology and the special effects that one could use in a movie like War of the Worlds that was originally made in what the forties would it be? Nineteen fifty three, fifty three, yeah. So so to take something like like an older movie like that and use all the available technology um, to make make it even better i guess some would argue well shouldn't just be about the technology and it it shouldn't that's probably where some of these things fall into the traps of well like they've got the great technology to back it up but then the script falls short and that's a classic i mean i I loved the 1953 george pal war of the worlds that's that's a great classic science fiction movie acting's a little bit cornier the effect the effects actually were excellent for the time they were actually quite quite impressive uh, but the remake for all its gloss and money thrown at it. And yeah, it, it didn't work for me either. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The, the, the story of one family dealing through this, just, I, I don't know if it was certainly it was inconsequential to me. Uh, it looked good. The, the effects and the, the yep. it looked really well, but yeah, it yeah. didn't care for the movie at all. Anything else that you can think of that falls into the maybe a TV show, perhaps? Is there a MASH remake? Could there be a MASH I, remake? I, again, because they need a rash, MASH remake. I, I would say no again because it was set in the. It was already a period piece, so it's, you're not, you can't really update it. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of remade television shows that I've been overly uh, impressed with. Honestly, they redid Magnum PI. I mean, these shows have their fans, but they, they it just. The classic version appeals to me. The remakes don't. I think television can be more forgiving for doing a new series in that vein without stealing the name. Uh, v, they redid mm-hmm. V. There's a classic one. Uh, yes, and there's a classic one that, to me, I, well, in fairness, I didn't even watch the remake because I watched a few of the, the trailers and saw some enough examples of it that said to me, no, they have not, this is not, this isn't going to work for me. Yeah, and it, I, I don't. Sorry, no, no, I was going to say, go ahead. I was going to say, why take V? Do another alien invasion theory. You're just stealing the name to, to, for name recognition. And yeah. unfortunately it takes so much away from the original. It's not that series anymore. And I, I think maybe, yeah, why do they, maybe because the template's already there, that it's easy to just take the template, you know, the characters and the storyline. Like if you made that movie basically was, the Holocaust updated mm-hmm. in, in, you know, modern times, but it would have been the eighties when it was, I think when it first came out, 
that you took the concept of these visitors coming and, and they reacted very much like like a, ta- a Nazi takeover, right? Yeah. Where there was propaganda and there was, uh, we'll take care of you. We're going to make this world a better place uh, now that we're here and we're going to just borrow your water. And and then you found out about like um, all the secret stuff going on in the background. People were disappearing and um, you had like, there was like a, a youth group. Mm-hmm. It was, I thought it was, I mean, I love that series. That was a really um, impactful series for me as a teenager, the, the series V. Mm-hmm. And it was excellent. Like I said, they remade it. They didn't improve on it in my, for the, I didn't watch it all the way through, but I watched enough to say, no, not for me. Uh, Battlestar. Gold. It was too, it was, sorry, just before we move on from V, it was the thing about V I found, and I find a lot with remakes is that they, la- it lacks a certain texture of some type where it's, I don't know if, overproduced if you want to call it that like it's too clean too too perfect looking the actors are perfect looking it's it's just it's it's just not doesn't have this texture Mm -hmm. that if you go back and look at some of the if you I, i think if you go back to v it would have a lot of cheesiness for sure given the time period it was written in and and i think you would see and some of the effects are are pretty uh probably pretty today wouldn't hold up that well I just find that a lot of these productions are just too, too clean, too overproduced. If that makes sense. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. A lack of grittiness. I mean, a lot of that stuff's getting filmed on digital now compared to the video back in the '80s, which I think even just texturally to the to the, the recording that uh, I don't know. Just it has a certain realism to it uh, because of the grittiness. Another movie remake a good example of, of movies that have been remade that are remakes of remakes, I guess, if you want to call it that is Superman. Yes. Superman for me, I can't, I struggle. Christopher Reeve is the Superman for me. Yes. 1979 and Superman. It, it was a, it was an excellent, one of the best uh, comic book movie before there were comic book movies. And when I watch some of the newer ones, Brandon Ruth and some of the other guys that uh, have been in those Superman man movies, and in fairness, I haven't watched them all. I have watched one, and I can't remember which one it was. Just to me, it just didn't land for me. Mm-hmm. Just didn't land. It felt like this is an imposter. Christopher Reeve should be here right now. Yeah. Uh, but I was never a Superman comic guy, so I didn't have... My experience with Superman was the Christopher Reeve movies. My name's Clark, so I got a lot of Clark Kent references. So I've felt a bit of an affinity to Superman because of that. For me, Superman wasn't a comic book character. It was Christopher Reeve in in those those movies. Yeah, and the only other, much the same way. My brother was a bit of a comic book uh, aficionado. I don't know if he was that big into the, to the Superman ones, but uh, wasn't uh, something I was particularly into, but... Uh, the only other reference for the, a lot of those characters came from Saturday morning cartoons for me. Uh, right. The Justice League for Superman or, you know, Spider-Man and Friends for the Marvel side long before uh, the Marvel movies uh, started to take over the cinemas. A, a movie that uh, I had heard about being made, um, and I, I don't know if it ever happened because I think it was supposed to happen and then it it didn't happen, but... I loved the Battle of the Planets cartoon as a kid. G-Force. G-Force, yes. yeah. And it's it's based on a Japanese animated series, Gotchaman. Gotcha Man. Um, 
And for a while, I'd been hearing about a live action version of that. And, you know, going back to your point about why take things that are animated and make them into live action, there is a, and I hadn't thought about that. I, my selfishly was hoping they would make this movie because it was something I enjoyed so much as a kid. But when you now mention, maybe you're just messing around with something that's meant to be animated, not to be live action. But there was a, a hope for me of seeing some of that stuff that was nostalgic to me end up in a in a modern movie. Mm-hmm. But my belief in whether they could pull that off enough to satisfy me in the way like the Superman movies have not, uh, I, I'd be extremely skeptical of a live action Gotcha Man or G-Force being good. Mm-hmm. That, that one would be kind of interesting. I almost think that it would make better as like a Netflix series or something a little more like this, the cartoon series was itself. Cause it had a bit of a mythology behind it. As I recall, uh, yes. a little bit hard to capture in two, two hours, two and a half hours. The spaceship. I was absolutely obsessed with the spaceship, the Phoenix. I, I built models of it. My dad helped me build a, a balsa wood model of, of that spaceship, the Phoenix, and, um, of course I've, I just remember certain episodes where things would happen to it. Like it would get damaged and then I'd want to f- create damage on mine and fix it. Yeah. It was just this thing that it had this thing on the top, a bubble that the, the, the guys would go in. It was like a little globe yeah. and it would open up like in this, uh, it was, it was like a, a half glass dome on top of the ship that you they would it would open up for them and then they would go in it would close and they would drop down into the ship and i remember wanting to have have that uh that effect and i think i i took one of those gumball machine oh the um, toy holders yeah, yeah that had it it was a dome sort of shape and i i glued that on top of of the of it so yeah that was a lot of uh, interesting memories but yeah, and I don't want to stray too much into other topics, but this is something that I've actually, Mike was able to get his hands on the G-Force, like Battle of the Planets. This was 20 years ago. He, he got a hold of from somewhere. It was kind of pre-internet. Maybe it was even longer than 20, probably 30 years ago. He got his, a hold of the, the series on VHS, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were bootlegged or what they were. I think they were. And we started watching it, of course. And... There was a little bit of that disappointment, like we'd, we'd burst the spell. Yeah. And I do find now that you, with the prevalence of YouTube and so much material being available on the internet, we can almost take any memory from our childhood and find it. Mm-hmm. Like if yep. it was media related, yep. we can find it. And, and- uh, toys, of course, we could find those too, I guess, you know, um, so I, I feel like I burst the spell a bit when I go and do that. So I'm cautious about that sometimes, but I usually can't resist and I do it anyway. It's kind of funny. You're uh, almost exactly what you're talking about. They have a new Dungeons and Dragons movie out. And I remember, oh, I love the Dungeons and Dragons Saturday morning cartoon. So I called up some episodes on YouTube. It was a Saturday morning cartoon from the from the early 80s is what it was. And and all yeah. the cheapness and corner cutting and, and, and that. And I was like, oh. That wasn't quite as magical as I remember it being. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. And yeah, nostalgia has its uh, has its place, and sometimes it's best left where it is. Yeah. How about something that you 
Well, uh, so Night Court was a TV series. Do you know they're making a remake of it? I tried to watch one episode. Oh, so it's already happened? Yeah, it's already out. I tried to watch an episode. I got about 10 minutes into it. It's Again, sitcoms are very dated. I mean, to the time that they're in, typically. There's very few exceptions. I think Friends, I'm surprised how popular it continues to be. I mean, when Friends was on, that was my age. I was in post-secondary, and they're all living in these apartments trying to... squeak by a living. I'm like, oh, I'm living in an apartment trying to squeak by a living, hanging out in the coffee shops with friends. It, it really spoke to me at that time. And then I learned, oh no, it's it's just as popular as ever 25, 30 years later. And like, oh, that's interesting. I think some show like Netflix, I don't know if Netflix shows it or if it's Prime, but I think you can get these series on Netflix now. And I think it's created a second generation of fans for these shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's an interesting one. But a lot of other ones I don't think necessarily play down. Like I say, the uh, I I was Three's Company, which was such an edgy, hilarious show at the end of the 70s into the 80s. I try to watch an episode now. It's, It's difficult. It's challenging in terms of the corniness of it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Anything else on this uh, that you're jumping to talk about or say? Did we talk about things that should never be remade? Well, what, yeah. What shouldn't be remade in your opinion? Uh, Just quickly. I mean, there's, there's, there's just certain movies that I found that they, they they did perfectly. Shawshank Redemption, I thought is a movie that they made once and got, I hope they never remake it again because it was just pitch perfect. Also again, helping going back to that same thing with MASH, it's a period piece. And they did such a good uh, work at capturing that period, similar to the Green Mile, which is the same director, same same writer that wrote it. It was it's a period piece and it captures that time period perfectly. And then it's just it's firing on all pistons in terms of dialogue and acting. I don't think there's anything you could add to it that wouldn't do well. Uh, Movie Jaws. uh, I don't think you could remake that now. I think that if that movie was very well made. But if you tried to make that now in you know in a modern age of of more uh, conscientious public in terms of uh, of what sharks are or, or what nature is and and, and our relationship with mm. nature, I don't think it would work the same way that a giant shark is the villain. There's a thousand cheap movies that do that uh, that kind of story, but to actually do a proper cinematic film that that like Jaws, you couldn't do. And then other ones through that era like E.T. Um, I think that they that that was captured perfectly uh, when ET. When, that was that was a movie I I really was disturbed by in the theater. I when he's sick on the bathroom floor or or in the creek when they find him in the creek. Yeah. I can't watch that. Yeah. It like that's a, such that's a memory on my like that's imprinted on me. That if my kids say, "Hey, let's watch it it <laughs> tech support ET. whatever. <laughs> E.T. is one that I would hesitate because I wouldn't want my kids to go through the sadness I felt watching E.T. in the creek, all pale and sick. And I showed my kids E.T. years ago, and it was kind of a, "Mm, okay, nothing, it didn't, yeah, it didn't capture. So to remake it, to update it for that a younger audience, I don't think, I don't think it could. You'd have to take too much away from the original core of it in order to modernize it, and that would just strip the, uh, strip it away. Well, let's uh, let's move on to uh, our next range of topics, which we were we had pulled a few um, random topics that uh, we're going to spend maybe a couple minutes on each. So this is the rapid fire round, and I'm just going to pick one of the ones we we had. Uh, we wrote a bunch down, and 
and I'm just going to randomly pick one here. So, um, favorite teacher in high school, who was your favorite teacher in high school? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't know if I, because I read that question. I'm going, well, who was my favorite teacher in high school? There were teachers I certainly like. You know, I'm going to go with it. It's kind of a weird one because I didn't have a close relationship or anything. I'm going to say Amrit Lal, Mr. Mm. Lal, our science teacher. He seemed in terms of like as a teacher, there were there are other teachers whose personalities I certainly enjoyed more. Nothing against Mr. Lal's personality. He was, he was But he seemed to have a passion for teaching a really strong knowledge of science. Uh, he seemed to have the answers and, and again, might be like watching G force. That's all nostalgia and looking back, but he seemed to really know when he was answering a question, but he had to seem have an enthusiasm to teach the class and he had an intelligence and he seemed to like teaching and enjoy teaching the students. And he's probably up there. Uh, another one that he was funny too. He was funny too. Another one that was like, that was Jim Foy. I wrote this down, Brian, because I wrote when you heard you say you didn't really have someone. My memory is Mr. Foy was a favorite of yeah, yours. Yeah, Jim Foy. He was a history teacher and a very similar to Amrit Lal. Uh, he had, like you said, the humor. He had a humor to it. He had a knowledge because uh, you'd ask him questions and boom, he could. Oh no, that's because of this and or that and that's in this context. Uh, always enjoyed his classes. Uh, there was something about Mr. Foy though that I remember hearing about that. Uh, was to me a bit off in terms of what you're describing. It, it didn't fit the personality and maybe it did. You knew him a lot better than me, but remember when he became like vice president or vice principal, I should say, and he would give people lines to write yes, out. I never appreciated that. I thought that I, that, I remember because we couldn't black shoes. We had to wear black dress shoes and I liked wearing black sneakers that looked pretty darn good and done it for, for, four or five years. Maybe it was OECs probably, probably grade 13. Uh, when we were in grade 13, back when they had that, uh, he came in and said, okay, no, those aren't appropriate shoes, right lines. I'm like, I've been wearing them for four years. I don't know why this is a problem now. Of course, by that point, I'm 18 and, and, uh, and, uh, indignant God. teenager. So I guess. <laughs> 18 though. And making people write lines yeah. like, in general, the writing, like if I think about that practice of, of saying, okay, go home and write, I don't even what they would say, thousand lines or ten li or fifty lines. I can't remember, and it would just—I don't know—was that some sort of a, a affirmation exercise, maybe that they were after when it came to why they got kids to write lines, or oh. was it just to put them through something so purely tedious and boring that they would never want to go through that again? I think it's the second one, and, and I think yeah, so. yeah. Oh, for sure. I think, and it, it, it's it's such a good method that I think that a lot of uh, anyone under the age of thirty would be shocked to hear that that even existed into. <laughs> into yeah. the, the 80s and 90s yeah. uh yeah it's it's certainly nothing you hear about anymore it's actually a, an incredible waste of time of tedium oh yeah like my dad's idea of punishment was to make me write a book report mm -hmm. so i got into trouble once at school we'll probably do a future episode where we dig into that a bit uh, i did mention in a previous episode about uh, uh the operation o situation uh, operation octopus mm -hmm. um I re so when I got into trouble for that, my dad, and there was a few other things attached to that trouble, by the way, it wasn't just an octopus. Um, it, my dad's suggested solution was that I read, uh, what was it? Uh, it was an all, it was a Charles Dickens book, not Oliver Twist, 
But one of the ones, I mean, they're all about the hard times that are going on. <laughs> the melancholy of the Victorian era and the hardships therein, yeah. I think it was a, a character, a person's name was the name of it. Not Oliver Twist, but another one that my dad thought I would be sufficiently punished if I had to write a book report and I guess gain an appreciation for what life could be like and how grateful I should be and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and the the principal at the time, Miss Lebrun, agreed to it. So that's what I had to do. I had to write a, a book report on, uh, oh, it's just not coming off my... Uh, I'm trying my, to think great my, expectations comes to my mind right now, but uh, I can't think of... Uh, I'll, this is, again, where we need that producer. David yeah. Copperfield. Oh, that was you see, it. that's one I'm not very familiar with. I don't really know David Copperfield, but... Well, I guess if, if any indication, I, all I remember is it was about a guy who had a rough childhood and that's about it. But I do remember doing the report and I guess it satisfied the people at the time um, that that was a sufficient punishment. So, so Mr. Lau, Mr. Foy, uh, for me, it was a Mr. And I, and I didn't have Mr. Foy, I had Mr. Lau and I actually really liked him. He, he, he was very serious, but had a, a funniness to him. I don't know how you describe it, but my teacher uh, Mr. Nesmith, I had in grade 12, OAC year, which we don't really have these days. Um, this was a guy who I think on the first test, I got like an 87% on, it was an economics class I took and I got 87% on the first class or first test we had to do. And for me, I was never really a student who was knocking out of, out of the park with those types of marks. I was like a 68, 70-ish at best kind of guy. And when I got that 87 or whatever it was, it shocked me so much that I suddenly was almost snapped into this, geez, maybe I can be good in school. Mm -hmm. And he just seemed to take this interest in me of someone that, that he thought was a great student, perhaps because of this grade or whatever, that from there on, I tried harder for every time we had a test or anything. I would study so hard because I was worried about losing that momentum of getting that 87%. And uh, he was someone that just had a lot of faith in me. I remember one time he said, after a class was over, as I was packing up, he said, did you think that was a bit like that was too complicated, that subject today? Like, how do you think that went over with the class? And again, I was like, no one's ever asked me this kind of stuff. He he just instilled this confidence and made me see getting good marks in school as a different. And I started and that bled into other courses that I was taking as well. So help me get into university. I didn't have him. I never had him. And you did go to that was at Dumbarton High School where I just did one year. Oh, you I went, went there, there as well. Too, yeah, right? I was there for yeah. yeah for for half a semester there. So okay, well let's move on to our next one. Um, all right, this one was one we talked about a while ago. Is there a skill you learned at an early job that you still use today? I uh, I spent most of my uh, my high school and actually into university as well uh, working as a cashier at a grocery store. At the Dominion store back when there was Dominion. I remember it. Uh, and, and you know, it's a, it's a very basic answer and it's dealing with people, talking to people. Uh, Cause I mean, you're, you're pushing the groceries through and you're talking to people at a rapid fire, uh, trying to keep people happy, trying to, to, to be uh, pleasant and polite and professional. Certainly that translated very well into policing, uh, that ability to here comes a new stranger and hi, I'm going to be friendly to you and professional to you and, and, 
And hopefully you respond well to that. And the vast majority of the time people do. Uh, as long as you're polite and respectful and pleasant, you'll 95% of the time get the same thing back. Uh, so that's that's kind of an easy answer. The other one I learned, I worked after university, I worked for uh, it was kind of a division of the Toronto Star, Star at the end of a... Uh, of the, the oh, newspaper. Beaver Creek something, wasn't it? It was, it was the Metro, it was called. Metro okay. Press, which was actually owned by Toronto Star. So they printed off sections of the Toronto Star. It printed off a lot of the local newspapers, like the, the Pickering Advertiser or or a lot of the local smaller papers. So I sat at the end of the uh, the, the line, jogging the, the pi- papers, piles as they came up, wrapping them and putting them on a skid and doing that for between 8 and 12 hours, depending what shift you got. Uh, I learned there that I never wanted to do work like that ever again. That factory yeah. working, God bless the people who do them, because uh, it's it's a it's it was tedious tedious to the tedium of the rep- repetition, the lack of stimulation uh, was was harsh, and I realized that I needed to be in some kind of work that required me to work with people, like some sort of interaction, because it's deafening in there. So you're wearing headphones the entire mm. time. You can't converse. If you do, you're screaming at the person across. <laughs> so it was, you're surrounded by people and isolated at the same time. And that was just a, a lesson that I didn't, I, I would rather have gotten into a career that allowed me to, uh, to think a little bit and interact with people a little bit and, and, and variety and, and things yeah. like that. I, uh, I thought maybe cause I knew you did a couple of, I think you worked for a couple of different grocery places that, uh, you were going to say that you learned how to bag your own bags. Like you, you, when, you know, a lot of places make you bag your own bags. Oh, I'm, I'm excellent at it. Ex- I am excellent at it. I could, be. I can fit all sorts of stuff in and make sure nothing gets crushed. Does your wife just push it all to you and say, here, do you do it, Brian? <laughs> No, not typically. No, I uh, it, yeah, I never thought about that skill I learned. That has been a very useful skill, yes. Uh, but getting your, Especially now that basically everywhere makes you do your own uh, bagging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or bring your own bag and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you like are you just like a guy who goes bowling where you've got your own grocery bag? No. Like, like, like with your name on it, it's a special, like, special bag? My special, my special bowling ball? But no, that's not, that's not <laughs> me. Uh, for me, I, I did a lot of work in the restaurant business. So I worked for a couple different restaurants and the thing that I, I like to, it's my sort of bagging grocery skill is I can carry multiple plates in one hand. I would like that one. My, uh, my yeah. son's doing, uh, he's working with local restaurants. He says that's what he's terrified to do. Have to carry a bunch of, a bunch of plates or a bunch of glasses. Yeah. Yeah. So I can do like three, I could carry, say three dinner plates in one hand and then put a fourth on my arm. That's a useful skill. That is a yeah. useful skill. That's- Although, if you're hosting family, you kind of look like a waiter, I guess, coming out and serving the family. But it's uh, it's, it's it's a little thing I like to to show off every now and then. Yeah, I get I get confused if I have to have one thing in each hand. So that would be actually be quite useful. <laughs> All right, uh, what else we got here? Uh, hey, when you come home from vacation, do you put away stuff right away, or does it sit in the suitcases for a few days? Uh, what's your what's your style? Usually, come home and start putting away eighty five percent of it, and then another fifteen percent lingers. I was last on vacation in March. And I probably could look around the room and see something that I'm actually literally I'm, I'm literally looking at a pile of hats that have been there since March break, and this okay. is uh, this is late April. So eighty five percent of it goes away really quickly. 15% can linger for months. Similar for me, similar for me. Um, 
But I know people that they just, no matter what time of day they get back, what time of the night, they unpack, put everything away, get the laundry, put into the laundry bins or whatever, and they just they just put the suitcases away and they're done. That's not me. As, as a family, we usually pack with laundry and uh, whatever doesn't have to be laundry ends up when we're leaving where we are split into two. So when we get home, typically the laundry goes right into the washing machine. The rest of the stuff sits on the floor till the next day. I love going to a place now with Airbnbs and stuff where you can actually do the laundry while you're there and it comes home clean. That's, that's awesome. That's That's what I love about Airbnb. Okay. uh, Maybe one more. Our uh, similar question, I guess, are you a put everything out the night before kind of guy when it comes to, you know, you got to be out of the house early. Do you put it all in and organize your clothes and and whatever it is you got to bring, or do you just sort of deal with it when you wake up? No, typically organize the night before. And I'm not a, particularly well-organized person, but when it comes to knowing that it's all done in the morning, that to me just translates to five or 10 extra minutes the next morning, which I know I'll want more than the going to bed. I can just, okay, just grab underwear, socks, t-shirt, dress shirt, dress pants, all ready in a pile, ready to go the next morning. Uh, I'm, I like when I do that, I'm always thankful for it, but I'm not, I don't always do it. Although if I have early morning workouts, typically I I will put my my workout clothes out on the the couch in our spare room here. That uh, so like you know, all my workout like my shorts and my socks and shirt or whatever, and, and uh, usually a pullover or something that gets put on the couch because I usually get up at like five well, six o'clock in the morning and my wife sleeps in a bit later, so I don't want to be pulling drawers and looking for stuff that'll just wake her up and she hates that. Yeah, I, by the nature of my work, also I get called out quite a bit in the middle of the night. Oh, it's just quite a bit, but right. frequently. So it's always nice to have it ready to go so you're not stumbling around at two o'clock in the morning trying to put together your your outfit. Oh, one more quick one now that I think of it. I don't really have it. Well, I could have an answer for it, but it's a police report police related. And I remember when we went out, you took me on a drive along. And I remember you were saying that the local Tim Hortons, I think it was, had made this rule now. And it sent a letter, I think, even to the police saying that they're no longer going to give out free stuff to police officers, if I got that story right. So uh, what's your take on that, the whole giving police officers free stuff and the expectation thereof? From your perspective, not what what do the police say? The expectation, from my perspective... Oh, I, told, I don't think the 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 uh, the organization would have an opinion much different than mine. When I first got on the job, I thought it was great. Oh my God, they give me free coffee. Oh, 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 free cookies. Thank you. And and it was always it was very well appreciated. A lot of restaurants do this basically just to uh, entice officers to spend more time around their right. businesses, which may in turn makes them feel more secure. Right? There's police officers in there. So um, that's the main reason. Regularly, for it, they right? hope that acts as a yeah. deterrent for any kind of behavior. Oh, I believe so. Primarily, yes. It might be just some uh, public grat- uh, uh, gratitude towards police officers. Uh, I enjoyed it for a while. Then I think I, I wasn't that far into the job before I was an officer that uh, I was in line. And I, I didn't yeah. care if they gave it to me for free or not. I was I was always ready to pay. Um, an officer just, I said, oh, he said, I hate getting when they give it to me for free. And I said, oh, why is that? And he says, because everybody else in line behind me makes a lot mm-hmm. less money than I do. And they're giving me this for free because Bancroft's not exactly right. the most affluent town with, with large industry of any sort. Uh, and I, and that kind of struck with me, stuck with me. And I was like, uh, I'm going to stop taking free stuff. And it used to drive me nuts because I'd go up now. I can distinctly remember this back when it was free. A, uh, an extra large coffee was a buck 50. 
and uh, I'd be ready to pay. And they'd say, no, it won't take your money. So I'd take my toonie and put it into the, uh, the box kind of. Right. Like, look, everyone, I'm putting like my toonie fake, in the you box. Did, you I'm did that paying. making it look like you like, did it or you actually did. Thank you there. for your generosity. <laughs> Here, everybody. No, no, I, I literally, I literally like did I'm it. Doing no, this I didn't, not, I didn't, uh, I didn't palm okay. it. Oh, right. <laughs> no, I literally would, I'd always have the toonie ready to put into the box to, to, to show that I was ready to pay and was going to pay. But then it would frustrate me because I was paying two huh. bucks for a dollar fifty coffee all the time. Cause I always had to put the toonie in because you want to give me a dollar fifty free coffee. And, and when they sent the letter, <laughs> I thought, Oh, thank God. This That's is funny. I didn't know that part today. of the story. Cause, <laughs> cause yeah, but it was an older officer who said it, and it was it was just it's something that struck with me. Like you're right, I, I police officers in our society make a good living. I'm certainly not wanting for for to you know for food on my plate or, or the heating or the mortgage. All that's I, I never break a sweat on any of that. Uh, lots of people in my community do. They're good people. They don't have the the the, the fortune of having a job that allows them uh, to uh, to be comfortable day to day. And here I am taking a free coffee ahead of them started to feel guilty and kind of stopped it. I know lots of officers who take the opposite attitude. Which is like they're a bit of, I, bit of I'll leave that to them, about it but, when uh, someone says, yeah, that's dollar fit. Well, now that's $3, oh, please. Or I'm not going to, I'm not going to, or I mean, the local McDonald's for years used to give away free food. Like you would go up and they would refuse to take your money uh, at the drive-thru. And uh, I, the, mm. the, the irony is I had to stop going to McDonald's. I felt guilty other officers felt well that's their appreciation that's what they want to give i'm not going to insult them by not taking it uh, my position was no uh, the position i know of the organization basically is they do not uh, appreciate officers taking uh, free things so uh, yeah my like in corporate land where i where i reside that's my my area is large corporate uh, there's there's a lot of stuff now that's come about in terms of gifting policies like uh you know commonly we have uh, in our industry we have things like tickets to sporting events and uh expensive dinners out and things like that and in or rat flat out giving people gifts like you you know giving bottles of wine as a gift or or bottles of something as gifts at christmas time a lot of that stuff's been really tailed back like and a lot of the people we deal with aren't allowed to accept these sorts of things. So it makes it difficult because if, for example, for a hockey game, if you have tickets for a hockey game on a Saturday night, the it, first of all, the quantum of the tickets now, you know, for a hockey game is like not several hundred dollars per ticket in many cases. And then you also have the fact that um, the, the games on a Saturday, we had to, this was a policy companies I worked for implemented started implementing a few years ago was you actually had to go to the game with the client that was the way to temper off the bribery aspects it was well you you I'm not just going to give you these you know four hundred dollars worth of tickets uh I'm going to invite you to join me so we can both go to this thing together and you know talk about business not talk about it whatever but there was something difficult about having to get a client who had a Saturday with plans or what made that family time to then put everything aside and spend time with you on a Saturday. Like I, I would find it was much more beneficial to as I, when I was a kid, when my dad would get tickets to hockey games, it's like, that's the thing you want people to do is take your tickets, take the tickets and go bring their son or daughter to the hockey game. Mm-hmm. Not, not uh, have to spend a Saturday night with a, a customer. So, but this whole, the, there's a heightened thing around, 
bribery with gifting policies exist now in most companies. I, I had a company lunch once where I took a couple clients out and they said, we have to split the bill. We're not allowed to accept um, any, we, we can't do that. So we both have to split this bill. So that, that was an automotive company. And they, that was probably something that was an industry that probably had a lot of potential for bribery. You know, the auto industry is massive. There's so many points along the way that, that I could see that they wanted to make sure no one was getting influenced and, you know, inappropriately. So we talked about 40 minutes or 45 minutes. We're almost, uh, we're almost at an hour, but that's just because I'm having a good, such a good time. And I, this, this is, morphed a bit into areas it didn't expect, especially in that first topic. But let's move on to, uh, and kind of similar to what we started at, what are we, what are we watching, reading, or listening to these days that uh, we just want to share a minute or two? Uh, that, is there anything out there that you're watching right now or reading or listening to? Uh, haven't been reading a lot lately. I'm actually kind of mad at myself. Uh, I don't know if it's because I spend all day reading reports or, or reading the news or on on, uh, on the internet. I, I, I spend a phenomenal amount of time reading, yet I don't read a lot of fiction lately, which I love doing. I've been, I've been off for the last couple of years not doing that. Uh, watching, uh, my wife and I just finished uh, watching a TV series on Netflix called Beef. Mm, I haven't uh, seen it. It's about it's about two individuals that get into a road rage incident and uh, and then they become obsessed with each other, trying to ruin the other person's life. And they're both very damaged. It's, it's it, what I was talking about earlier, where a sitcom has to have a dramatic like undercurrent as well. It was very, very, very much like that. Uh, that it was uh, it was funny in a very black comedy kind of way. That it was because uh, these people were very tragic and, and broken, but they became obsessed in trying to one up and, and ruin the other person's life over this single stupid uh, road rage incident. It was good. It was ten episodes. We just wrapped it up. Uh, enjoyed that thoroughly. Uh, my wife and I watch a lot of. I, I, my wife likes uh, reality television, which I. I certainly don't yeah uh i love science fiction and fantasy and that kind of stuff and uh she does not mm-hmm. uh so we we at horror we horror we watch a lot of horror movies so we've seen a few good horror movies lately um well, i know one that we watch we we watch a lot of arts uh my wife likes a lot of arts movies and i, I like foreign movies and arts movies i can get into those and there was a there was a action movie that was on it was called rrr have you heard of this one no it's out of, uh, it's an Indian movie. It's out of India uh, from 2022. And it's, uh, it's an action adventure movie. Um, and it's, it's cause it's from India. It's also got Bollywood numbers in the middle of it. Anyways, I'd heard good things about it and I thought I'm going to watch this. And I just happened to flick it on and my wife came in and she said, Oh, what are you watching? I said, Oh, it's an action movie. So just, just let me watch 20 minutes of it. Your show's not on for 20 minutes. Yeah. And then, uh, then you can watch yours, whatever it was that she was strangers dating or, or, <laughs> yeah. or obese dancing. people or something that she quite dance stars dancing or singing yeah. or something. Anyways, uh, that, that was an on for 20 minutes. Anyways, she watched 20 minutes of this movie and then she was enthralled with it. And it's like a three hour, it's like over three hours long. This movie, it is really long. It's where, did, uh, where was, was it on Netflix? Uh, I think it's on Netflix now. I think it was Netflix. It was okay. on, not, it was R, on R, R, like the letter, the R's. letters R, R, R. Okay. Uh, sorry, just looked it up here. 182 minutes long. So it's a long movie. I'm writing uh, that down. I want to watch it. It's, it's, it, the action is over the top. It's bombastic. It's absurd. It's got a nice undercurrent story about a, a kidnapped child from a village under British colonialism. And 
it, it, my, my wife, she, that's one of my favorite movies I've watched. I said, really? Because you hate musicals. And when they broke out into it, she says, I love that. It was the, actually the, the song that won the Oscar at the most recently passed Academy Awards oh. was the musical number. That's just in the from a, a Western Hollywood uh, movie perspective. You'd never just see a non-musical just break out into a huge musical number uh, mid-movie. Uh, really good. Really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, just all around good time. Highly entertaining long there's a nice split point in the middle if you want to put it into a mini series that would work quite well mm, but okay. uh like i say it's over the top the action is over the top and absurd but it's it's really entertaining okay um last thing before we wrap so i don't know if you had a chance i threw this thing at you because it's been showing up in the media showed up in the media about two weeks ago so this is our strange news story segment uh, Toronto Blue Jays pitcher claims flight attendant made his pregnant wife clean up after their child, fueling heated Twitter debate. So says here, uh, he, he tweeted, the flight attendant at United just make, made my 22-week pregnant wife traveling with a five-year-old and a two-year-old get on her hands and knees to pick up the popcorn mess by youngest daughter. Are you kidding me? Is what he wrote. Um, the first thing I thought about was why, why do actor, why do celebrity people or whatever you want to call him go on Twitter and write these sorts of things? Mm -hmm. Like to me, that's just asking for trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the actual topic I've been, I've been doing a lot of traveling after COVID had a lot of extra money in my vacation, uh, fund. So I managed to run around quite a bit and been flying a lot. Um, I, I, I'd have to have more context for what happened there based on how big of a mess must this child have made in order to get an airline attendant to say, Hey, could you tidy that up? Oh, you it's, haven't it's, seen the picture? No, I haven't. I, I didn't see it. I, I, I quickly saw something. It was a, uh, might've been the two girls in a business class seats. It looked like. No, I uh, think they were just in regular. Uh, were they in seats? regular? I think okay. so. And they no. had uh it was like half a bag of pop, maybe a quarter of a bag of popcorn. The contents of it were uh, underneath the seat, basically. And I thought, yeah, it's a mess. But there was the, the Twitter reaction to it. There was, I would say, 80% of it was negative towards him saying, you know, you entitled uh, mm -hmm. person, you make millions of dollars, uh, you know, pick up after your own kids. Flight attendants are there for your safety, not to clean up after your kids. And, and I think the thing that struck out for me was flight attendants are there for your safety, but they're also there to bring your food and your drinks. And if you spill something, they help you clean it up. So I personally believe that the reaction of calling out this pregnant, never mind that she's pregnant. That's an, that's part of it, but not the only thing. But to, to say to a customer, Get go clean that mess up. Um, and again, context, we weren't there. We didn't hear the words used. We don't really know for the full story. Um, but to me, uh, no, I don't. Uh, yes, they're there for safety, but they are there to do other things that are to serve you as a, as a customer. So why put yourself in this position in the first place as an as a celebrity? Well, and, and like you said, I'm surprised celebrities uh, bother to do that. Uh, Sorry, just I just called up the picture to look at it. Yeah, that's not that's not an absurd amount of mess. I like to think that if my kid actually, I, I can say when my kid we got off a plane and my youngsters were uh, were small, I would try to clean up as best as possible before leaving. Yeah, 
uh, now that woman was apparently pregnant and, uh, and, uh, and had two small kids and there. had two small kids, which would make it a little bit more difficult. Uh, again, I'd, I'd, I'd need more context, but I think that your, your original takeaway is the main thing. Look, your celebrity j- just complain to the airline, say that you thought that was wrong yeah. and tell them what your concern was that you did not feel that that was taken. That's what the rest of us regular people have to do. That's right. Uh, I, I go on Twitter and complain. No one cares. Uh, they care because he's a celebrity. Yeah. And that's a double-edged sword. Uh, and as you said, if 80% of people who take the time to respond, um, and again, that's 80% of people who take the time to respond are negative towards him. Well, that's what you get. That's, yep. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Brian, this has been an, uh, an awesome time spent with you. I'm so glad you came on. Oh, I've really uh, enjoyed it. I, I hope you come back because I think, uh, I think there's so many other things we could dig into. Uh, there's a, and these, this tends to happen on this episode that topics tend to beget other topics. So let's, uh, let's make sure we get together and maybe we could talk about some of those things from high school, like, you know, writing lines or things that maybe kids of today just wouldn't, um, really get or understand. Uh, and yeah, we could, there's a whole bunch of rabbit trails. We could certainly go down with, with the high school topic, but I didn't, I did really enjoy this, Brian. Oh, I did. I had a great time. I really enjoyed doing that. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate that. Get to uh, scratch that creative side a little. Yeah. Like I said, get, get in front of a microphone again to, to chatter. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And, uh, look forward to having you on a future episode. I look forward to it. Thanks, Clark.